Hi, I'm Rick Steves. I'm lucky enough to go to Europe every summer. But for a lot of people, a European vacation is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. For the first-timer, planning your own itinerary, figuring out the train schedules, choosing hotels, and dealing with unfamiliar currencies and languages can take the fun out of their vacation. So many opt for a package tour. A package tour can be a great value, if you know your options and choose the right one. Coming up on this edition of Travel with Rick Steves, Rick Hazen, a Chicago-based consultant for big tour companies, gives us an inside look at what I call Big Bus Tourism. It's important to understand how the industry works so you can get the most out of it, and it won't get the most out of you. When it comes to the Big Bus Tours, savvy travelers get more out of every mile, minute, and dollar. An insider's look at the tour industry. It's coming right up on Travel with Rick Steves. Stay with us. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines. With their new Advantage Award booking tool, it's easier than ever to book to over 800 Advantage Award destinations online at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. And right now we're going to talk big buses. We're going to talk big bus tourism and uh, consumer tips. So I've got with me a man who earns his living as a consultant for tour companies, and he knows how tour companies work from behind the scenes. He uh, built his own tour company, uh, Prism Holidays, and uh, sold that company, and now he works as a consultant, helping other tour companies make their business and do their business well. Rick Hazen, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Rick, um, American travelers, many of us go on our own independently, but uh, must be the typical way is on a big bus tour, isn't it? Certainly for the first-time traveler, absolutely, to Europe. Um, absolutely. Big bus tours are the most that's common the, way. That's the way most people do Europe, and it's for a lot of people, it's not an annual thing. It's a, sort of a once-in-a-lifetime. There's so many different kinds of tours. Generally, what advice do you have for a, a consumer just sorting through all these options? Well, it's important to know what you're looking for. Do you want an active tour? Do you want uh, one that takes care of every, every need of yours? Uh, the most important thing to know, general thing in Europe, is you do not expect to be the same as it is here in America. That's part of the reason why you travel overseas. But if you really need the exact requirements you have here in America, you need to know that and look for a five-star operator. Because some, some tours are good at helping you never leave home from a comfort point of view. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. They'll remove you from the experience of the day-to-day differences of right. what a European experience is. You got your basic, what, top ends around, what, $400 a day, mid-range around $200 a day, and cheap about $100 a day? Is that, how would you characterize that? That's pretty much accurate. I'd say for land only, that's correct, not counting your airfare. So what's the big difference? I mean, I could go to uh, Britain for 10 days, and I could spend $400 a day. I could do it on $200 a day, or I could actually do it on $100 a day. Well, Part of it is quality. You look at your accommodations. There is a big variance in accommodations there. Uh, trying to find out the hotel names can help you use the Internet for that. And, again, if you see a lot of Marriott's and Sheridan's and Hilton's, um, you are going to have one of those experiences that tend to um, remove you from the European experience. Uh, the other thing will be is how are they marketing it. There are many companies out there that market direct to consumers and some that go to travel agents. Uh, there are different costs involved and different needs, so those those kind of things can drive a difference, as well as how many meals are included, what type of meals are included, uh, what kind of venues are included. Attractions are very important. It's important to get a list of optional tours. Now, most companies will have some optional tours, and that can be a good thing because you're able to pick and choose some kind of specialized event that you may not be interested in. There are other companies who have a, a whole long sheet of optional tours. Okay, Rick, I, I want to get into the optional tours in just a minute, but before we leave this, we're, we're assessing the high range compared to the medium and low range tours. Uh, you said, uh, and this sounds like a great idea, find out what hotels you're going to be that are included in the tour, and then you can use the web and go direct to that hotel and see what kind of hotel it is on your own. Okay. Is that what you're saying? And that, that lets you yeah. know if it's going to be a, a kind of a transplanted American high-rise uh, international class hotels, which some people want, right. or it can be funky little um, guest houses and so on. Also, you look and see if it's sold direct to consumers or via travel agents. Does that have an impact on the value of the tour? It depends on how efficient they are. It certainly can. Um, because what's the standard commission that a travel agency would make when they sell a tour? 
Well, commission can range from 10 to 15 percent. The key thing is, is it worth it to you? Is it, is it worth having somebody direct you and, and know what's going on? That's the big question you have to ask. Are, are there some tour companies that just save the 10 percent cost to the consumers and, and cut out the travel agent and you book them direct through the web? Absolutely. So if, a, if a, an agent is, a travel agent is booking a tour, it probably has 10 percent built into the cost uh, to absorb that commission. At least 10 percent, yes. Okay. Now, is there a way to get honest feedback from customers who have traveled with this tour company? Well, it, that can be difficult. I mean, obviously, look on the web. There's different web portholes that you get feedback from. Keep in mind, a lot of times those web portholes have a lot of negative things just because people tend to write are the ones that are mad, not the ones that are happy. So for every happy one you see, you should multiply it by 5 or 10 compared to every unhappy one. Are those put out by the tour company themselves to share feedback from their customers to bolster confidence in prospective travelers, or are they independent consumer websites that let people complain about their tour experiences? There's some independent sites. Anything an operator puts out, you have to look and see if there are any complaints on there at all or not. Obviously, they're going to toot their own horn, yeah. I'm talking with Rick Hazen, who's a consultant for tour companies, and he's sharing with us a behind-the-scenes look at how tours work. It's a big investment for people, with their precious vacation time and money, and a lot of it boils down, Rick, to just reading the brochure smartly. I think brochures can deceive uh, prospective travelers. If you're looking at a very clever tour brochure and you counsel companies into how to make money with their tour program, what are some of the areas consumers should look for that can be uh, misleading from a tour brochure? Well... It's important to, if you can again, find the hotels, that's one of the big benchmarks to see the quality of the, of the hotel. Uh, and you'll understand better what you're paying for. It's important to look at the meals. Most companies do want to be honest in, in, in integrity. It really comes down to reading the fine print, too, because there's a, a lot of fine print yeah. in there. And it's there for reasons, and some are more flexible some are more uh, detrimental to what you're doing. And they're going to be honest in their, in their information, but that still doesn't mean there's some, um, some corners cut. For instance, if you're going to have a hotel in the Florence area, that could be halfway to Bologna, couldn't it? Yeah, that's, that's really important. Or off the highway. Uh, uh-huh. That's a big, big difference, especially having two or three nights in, in Florence. Do you want to be on the highway where you have to pay an uh, enormous sum of money in, in taxis or waste a lot of time to get where you want to go? Or, or have no option than take the optional tour into town tonight for 50 bucks. Big difference. It's important to know So you want to know, essential. and if they say Florence, you want to know Florence downtown or Florence area, and if it's area, it could be in the middle of nowhere on a freeway, and that would be very, very bad, I would say. Also, they say you can say you can see a site or you can visit a site, and if they say see a site, that could just be driving by, right? That's absolutely true. You have to read it carefully, see, visit, uh, view, View means driving by. View, so, and, yeah. it, and they'll, they'll have an actual jargon for that. So view windmills, you're just driving by. Visit yeah, windmills. and when they include something, they tend to be very direct I see. about it. When they don't include something, they tend to be more... Uh, so you can flower. say you're in the land of Leonardo, but you're not going to see a Leonardo. Now, if a, if a uh, confusing thing for me is the number of days. If, if a tour is advertised as seven days, do they count the, the day you actually meet in the evening and the morning that you have breakfast before dispersing after the tour is over? Uh, yes, in general, yes. They, the big question is if they include the airfare. Because if they include the airfare, they will count the day you depart the USA. I see. So it's important when you look at a, a company that may offer a package that begins and ends in Europe and your air is something totally separate, or if a company includes the air. So day one could be leaving the evening of. Yeah. But a, quote, seven-day tour could be five uninterrupted days with two partial days, couldn't it? Absolutely. And that would be a major disappointment if somebody didn't figure that out in advance. Yes, it's reading the itinerary carefully, and if they can't ascertain that, is being able to... Um ask those questions of your travel agent or the company itself. I think tour companies must have a difficult time in just this psychology of the more they promise, the more people are going to think it's good. But the problem with promising too much is you you almost never get off the bus. You're driving all the time to see these places. Bus drivers even have a nickname for this. They call it pajama tours or something, don't they? (laughs) Uh, I haven't heard that, but that certainly sounds appropriate. Pacing's a real important thing. Do you have multi-nights in different hotels along the way? Because... One of the most arduous times is, frankly, packing and unpacking. Uh, getting your rooms, no matter how efficient a company is, it takes time to check you in and check you out. Some places require passports. 
and you don't really get a feel of an area. Mm-hmm. It'd be horrible to spend one night in a major city like Rome. Well, you know it. But a lot of people do. A lot of tour companies promise the moon, and what they have is a series of one-night stands, right? Absolutely true. And if you, and if you have a series of one-night stands, you're going to have a... T- it, first of all, it's going to be a... I think it's going to be a less sophisticated pile of travelers that you're sharing the bus with. Well, that's true. And some companies also will market around their, their programs around the world. It may only be English-speaking. You may have people from all over the English-speaking world. And then there's different needs and desires of visits because each of our cultures have put importance on different things. So you may have a, a tour that may not be to your liking. So you have to look and, and think very carefully about what this actual going to pan out. Some of the fundamental issues that shape the characteristic of a tour experience might be, I think a big deal is the number of people in the tour. Do they advertise that really upfront and honestly? Well, most companies don't advertise it, frankly. The ones that do, I've only seen them be honest. Most generally, the, they will fill their entire coach up. And how many and seats is that? That can vary from 45 to 55. I've even seen 70 passenger coaches. 70 passenger you got double-deckers in Europe, uh, which, you know, you have a nice view up top, but it does take you a long time to load and unload, so you have to recognize that. Plus, you can't take 70 people into a cute pub and experience a cute pub. No, or, or even a tour of, of a church. Wow. How can a guy really speak to 70 people, I think? If a traveler is concerned about that, Rick, can they actually um, get a definitive number of how many people are maximal, maximum possibility on this tour experience? Uh, you can ask. I don't know if a reservation agent would actually know if it's not advertised... Hmm. feature. Generally, though, you'll find most will hold one coach, which would be in a 50-person range. 50-person. So there are some tour companies that pride themselves in having smaller buses, smaller groups. And, and they would probably advertise that. Anybody with less than 40 people on the, on the bus is probably going to advertise that as a plus for their tour program. Absolutely. They're going to market that because it frankly costs a bit more to have less people on the coach. And, but you're paying for more space and more attention from your guide. Now, if you're a senior traveler, and I, I generally don't want to talk about tour company names in this interview, but we can talk about it here. What are the companies that are really working well and creatively to help seniors uh, enjoy uh, Europe without being able to have to climb the castles and so on? Oh, there's an awful lot of different tour companies. I mean, there's the high end, which may be talk or mop, and you then have more of the uh, lesser range with Grand Circle, who direct mails, or Go Ahead, which would be another level of, of direct mail kind of people that uh, cut the travel agent out, where mopping and talk would work with a travel agent. Um, there's a lot of regional, there's large ones, there's small ones. Um, you have to find the right personality that sort of fits. And obviously, if you get a recommendation from a friend, that makes a big difference, too. A lot of companies get a lot of repeat customers. Can you measure that with a tour company? Uh, do they tell you what their percent of repeat customers are? Uh, some will do so. You know, it's hard to verify the truth, is, but verify, yes, some yeah. will do so. Yeah. And you said Grand Circle does direct mail, so I, I haven't heard that before. Some companies just, they just build their whole tour company off direct mail and not travel agencies. That's correct. There's a, a number of companies that their, their model uh, is to mail directly to the consumer. Okay, it's time for a little rest stop, but I'd like you back on the bus in a minute because there's more just ahead with our guest, Rick Hazen, plus your phone calls. 877-333-RICK or email us at radio at ricksteves.com. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines with 4,000 flights to 250 cities in some 40 countries around the world every day. It's easy to book your next flight at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly.
877-333-RIC. That's 877-333-7425. Or email us at radio at ricksteves.com. May I have your attention, please? This is Captain Joseph Kamar. Welcome on board flight 737 from Delhi to Vancouver. It's Travel with Rick Steves, and we're talking big bus tours with Rick Hazen, a consultant for large tour operators. Understanding how the industry works, you can match the right package tour, or maybe none at all, with your travel dreams. I've got some people on the line here. Let's talk with Mary in Biloxi, Mississippi. Hi, Mary. Hi. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thanks for your call. Do you have a question about tour buses? Uh, no, I was just going to share some of my experiences that I had in Europe when we were over there for three years. That's the main re- way we traveled. And uh, was that just with American bus companies that you would uh, join? Uh, no, no. We uh, we use several of the European ones. It's, uh, it's surprising how many of them are actually uh, geared toward uh, Americans or English-speaking um you know, people that uh, if you get on them, you know, you can schedule them to where they do speak English. But we were we were living in Germany, and we went to uh, all over Germany and uh, different places in the Netherlands and Belgium and Luxembourg, and uh, we used the travel bus extensively. So and you, you booked these companies from Germany, and they were advertised as English-speaking tours, even yes. though they originated in Germany. Were they just, was that because they could take people from a number of countries, and that was just assumed to be their common uh, linguistic common denominator? Well, um, we were uh, there with the armed forces, so there was a big uh, American population there anyway. Okay, well, that would explain that. Then. And um, so, but they would make stops along the way, and what was particularly interesting is a lot of times we would get on a smaller bus and go to a larger city, and we would just everybody just kind of collected in this huge parking lot where all these buses are lined up, and it was kind of like a bus depot, and you went on your bus that was going to your tour, and you didn't necessarily stay on the same bus the whole time, and they were all advertised. Every bus there was English speaking, and it was going all, they were going all over Europe. But this would have been primarily for military uh, vacationers, right? Not, no, not necessarily. It could have been anybody that wanted to go. They were not military-run. They were private uh, tour companies there in Europe. And what city were you based in? We were at Bitburg. Bitburg, all right. And then what generally would you say they were good experiences? Oh, it was wonderful. It was it was it was really great, especially if you wanted to go someplace and you were referred to them earlier called pajama tours. You wanted to go somewhere that was particularly far away. Well you'd get on the bus at ten o'clock at night, sleep while you're there, the buses were very comfortable and when you woke up you're in Switzerland. Right. And uh, we would just we just thoroughly enjoyed it, and we became quite savvy on what to take and and how to make the the trip a little more enjoyable. All right. Well, thanks for your call. Thank you. And Leah is on the line in Illinois. Leah, hi. Hi, Rick. Good hi, to talk hi. to you. Yeah. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Well, my one ever one time ever tour bus experience was at the end of a very long trip that included taking in the Olympics in Athens, and we ended it. With one day and one night in Salzburg, and what can you do in one day and one night in Salzburg? And we decided to take the Sound of Music bus tour. And I don't know how many of us have grown up on that movie, but my mother grew up on that movie before I did. And um, it was just such a different experience from the way I normally travel on a budget, totally planning everything myself. I just sat back on that nice air-conditioned bus listening to the songs from Sound of Music and took in the scenery and took in the sights and allowed myself to get excited about people that really didn't exist. <laughs> but walking in their footsteps was the the biggest thrill. <laughs> well, i got to say, that is a fun experience, even though the local people don't know what it's all about. It's exactly. funny. The people you in Salzburg like have no idea. You feel like you're like in America because you're doing a completely American thing right. and you're to- totally cut off from the... The, the culture in Salzburg, and, and it's it's a very kind of weird experience, but... Yes, it, was, it is. Uh, it's kind of surreal. You're cruising through the foothills of the Alps. For me, it was with 40 American and Japanese tourists all singing Doa Deer. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> and then they tell you, you know, the, the tour guide was from Boston, and he uh, knew a lot of trivia about the movie and, and you know, would share different things and, and lots of discrepancies between the movie and, and reality, um, both in the landscape you know the geography of it all, and the and the you know the people and what they did in right. real life as opposed to the movie. And uh, then he, you can't obviously take a tour bus into the part of Salzburg because the streets are so narrow and wonderfully old. But 
um, he told us exactly where to go to to look at you know the different sites. So we found ourselves at the door of non you know Nonberg Abbey where uh, the gr- the children looked for Maria and All right. climbed now, the steps where they sang Doe a Deer. Rick, that's a kind of a parallel tour bus world, isn't it? These individual half day bus tours in Europe. Totally different, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Liam. Sure. And we've got uh, Michael on the line from Marion, Arkansas. Hi, Michael. Hey there, Rick. Good to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for calling. Yes, I have a question about uh, bus touring on the Romantic Road in Germany. Uh, I'm a minister. Uh, up until 1999, actually, I helped to organize bus tours of the Holy Lands. And, Rick, I kind of uh, patterned myself after you. It was a uh, Small uh, numbers on a on a bus with a lot of room and and no optional add-ons. Everything was included, mm-hmm. and that's really my question about Germany because we went to Germany in 2004 and kind of followed uh, your tour path through Germany. But when we got to the Romantic Road, uh, it was very hard to do that on the train. In fact, all we had got to do was really Rotenburg. Uh, what would be some recommendations on a bus tour of the Romantic Road? Well, that's that's one advantage of a bus, isn't it, uh, Rick Hazen, is that you can take it where the trains don't go. Absolutely, yeah. goes wherever you want to go. Well, I, I think the, the point there, Michael, is if you need to kind of tailor together when you're putting an itinerary, what's best by train, what's best by car or bus, what might be best by flying a, a leg of your trip or even taking a boat. That's a fun thing these days. More and more people are piecing together travels with many different modes of transportation instead of the old Euro railway. There's even train passes now that let you mix car and train travel, for instance. Now, can you uh, get on a bus tour while in Germany for the Romantic Road? Oh yeah, that that well, actually that that bus company was just purchased by a Spanish company now, and I think it's nowhere near as good as it used to be. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too enamored by the Romantic Road. It was a great thing to do in in uh, previous years, but now I would just choose a few of the best uh, towns and maybe rent a car for a day out of Munich and explore the foothills of the Alps. Okay. All right. Hey, uh, Michael, you lead uh, religious tours, is that right? Uh, yes, I did it up until 1999. Now, my my feeling on religious tours is, boy, what a wonderful way to have somebody to hold your hand and get the most out of your sightseeing, especially if you're going to the Holy Land or something like that. On the other hand, there's a lot of um, kind of cheesy scams that people are just trying to get a free trip for the uh, pastor's wife and so on. What advice would you give people who want to have a good religious experience in their travels, uh, but what should they look out for? Well, I believe the best way to do it is to have someone with you who actually knows the Bible stories, how the land connects with the Bible stories. Uh, I would actually uh, take people to different sites in the Holy Lands and talk about what uh, was happening there in the Bible. But I'm, I'm talking about the, the business end of it. Are there a lot of parishioners and you know people who want to follow their pastor uh, to the Holy Land or whatever that are not looking very carefully at the cost, and there's people taking advantage of them. Oh, yes. Uh, those are called FAM tours. I have talked to uh, many people who have been really disappointed in their trip because uh, uh, their minister, their pastor, was really not so much interested in helping them to connect to the Bible right. and to the Bible lands, but really just wanted a free trip. Because there's a lot, I know there are tour organizers that actually uh, work with different uh, pastors and so on, encouraging them by saying, you'll get a free trip if you get 10 people to go. And I think the pastor's kind of losing the, his eye on the prize there about making sure that people are going to get a real meaningful experience out of their travels. Rick Hazen, what have you learned about cautionary notes for people who are considering uh, church-related tours? Well, I mean, they give the complimentary chips for as low as every six, I've heard, too. Uh, In other words, you're paying 15% extra just because the organist is going to go along or something like that. Right. It all depends upon the company they work with. The real key is is your your religious leader, are they going to really add to the program? Are they going to take the time, Mm -hmm. as was mentioned, to walk people around and explain the differences? And then, therefore, it may be worth the the few extra percentage or whatever it is mm-hmm. to have that. It's one thing to be a good preacher here, but to take you through the Holy Land, that's a whole different uh, set of skills, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think hopefully they would have a local guide as well. I was going to say that would complement things very nicely. Now, there also is this pilgrimage uh, thing where people will put together a trip that goes to Fatima, Lourdes, Metagorgia, and Rome, something like that. What's the, what's the deal there, Rick? 
Well, again, it depends. If it's through a religious leader, it's the same exact situation. If it's through a, a tour company... Um, are there tours of the great pilgrimage sites that are not associated with a particular church? Uh, th- there can be special during the special uh, years, such year as the Jubilee years or uh, the Obramagal Passion Play. Right. Those tend to sort of add on to those events. And when you speak of the Passion Play, every 10 years there's this play in Obramagal that, that people, t- the Passion of Christ, the last days of Christ, and... Uh, I mean, they have 5,000 tickets a day for 100 days, so that's all the tickets that are available. And uh, entrepreneurs scramble up these tickets, and then they can pad the tours by including these tickets and charge exorbitant amounts for the trip. I mean, certainly certainly the margins or the profit can be much more uh, extreme than normal because, again, there's a very limited supply of tickets, and there's a high demand of uh, for those tickets. All right. Michael in Arkansas, any other comments or questions for Rick? Well, I would just say on religious tours, make sure that your minister is really prepared, has done his homework, and has. It can be a wonderful experience. I think it can be a wonderful experience, too, and I would caution people that if it's the pastor's first time there, he might not be as adept at uh, at getting the most out of every mile, minute, and dollar for you for that experience. But if they've gone, you know, my pastor's gone on these... Uh, footsteps of Luther tours with people that do it every year, and they really have the local context, and they make it a a rich experience. So look into that if you're considering one of these kind of tours. Thanks for your call, Michael. Thank you. I'm talking with Rick Hazen, who's a consultant for tour companies, and we're learning how tour companies work. Rick, to me, the key for profitability for a tour company is talking 30 or 40 or 50 people into sharing one vehicle rather than using 50 cars or getting 50 rail passes. Right there, there's more than enough profit, and if everything else is just um, done uh, efficiently, a tour, an organized tour, can be a very good value. Well, yes, it can be, certainly. I mean, there are definitely definitely good tour companies out there with really good quality and really good good values. The key thing is knowing yourself what you want and what your goals are. Uh, and that will help you determine the right kind of value, not just the bottom line price. Right. My, my feeling is there are a number of tour companies out there that have an impossible price. I mean, it's just like, how do they make any money? And they get you on board without making any profit, but they make their money off of you once you get over there. Is that your take on that? Yeah, there are definitely companies that uh, will sell a lot of optional tours and shopping excursions. So the basic thing here is they've got an impossible price to get you on board, and then you're in, in Europe or in you know Asia or whatever for a couple of weeks, and the sightseeing's not included, so they sell what in tour jargon is options, and every day, a couple of times a day, you're sold these sightseeing optionals. They take you shopping, and the standard kickback is 10 to 20% on everything the group buys, and then they, they get tips out of you. So their real profit is once they get you overseas, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Much like a cruise nowadays where things used to be all included, now it's... You have to pay for Haagen-Dazs ice cream on deck. So they are finding ways to get uh, the revenue afterwards. I suppose the good news is if you really were a, a savvy consumer and on a tight budget, you could think of a tour bus as a bus pass that comes with hotels and they haven't made any money off you. You could equip yourself with a guidebook, do your own thing, and um, the joke's on the tour company. Well, you certainly could if you want to be the industrious. But in actuality, most people tend to get into the group uh, dynamic and will buy these optionals. And again, if if there are a few options, there's never a problem with that in my mind. Sure. They could be specialized. But if there's a long list of those optionals, you have to be careful because your guide incentive may be so strong that they may pull you places that um, wouldn't be for you, whether physically or... Right. So they'll, they'll tell you that... Um you can't really say you've been to Switzerland unless you've been to the top of Mount Pilatus, or you can't really say you've been to the Black Forest unless you buy a cuckoo clock. And these are driven by their need to make some income. Right, right. And there, look, there are good stores. The real tip-off is if they stop middle of nowhere, where there's nowhere to walk to, and you're captive, that's a store that you should be concerned about. If they're stopping in the middle of a Black Forest where there's a ton of stores and they bring you to one to show you a demonstration, well, that's more than likely a reasonable place. Right. How can you discriminate among options? Because, first of all, they cost, what do they cost, 50 or 60 bucks each? Well, they can range from 40 80 even $100. Now, these would yeah. be a little half to, uh, after dinner, floodlit tour of the city, uh, um, a, a morning tour, out an excursion out to a church that everybody wants to see or something. How can you determine which ones are a good value and which ones are not? Well, the first step is Internet, and Grayline is a good example. Grayline has. Uh, companies around the world, and they do normal one-day, uh, half-day, full-day 
kind of tours from the different cities. So very often you tour out of Rome, you go to Grey Line in Rome and look up the optional tour. And, if it's, and that's a good um, huh. basis for you to decide if it's the right price or not. So their quality and their price is pretty standard. And you could, uh, with the help of the web, look at the Grey Line Rome or Grey Line Tokyo option and compare it to what your tour company is charging. Yes, that's a good way to start. Again, keep in mind that an advantage maybe of your tour company is to only give the day trip in English, where right. Gray Line may do a multi-language. It's an important difference. So you're going to get one language or two languages, and there's a big difference in that experience. Wow, I bet that, that is a huge difference. Now, what is the difference between a tour manager and a tour guide? Well, the manager is the person that will be with you more than likely from the time that you arrive at your first hotel to the time that you leave. They will give you some information and, and details, but the guide is more of a person that is in the city that will give you an in-depth tour okay. of the museum. So the tour, the, the tour manager arranges to hire the guide to meet you after lunch and walk you around Venice or something like this? Uh, the tour manager makes sure the arrangements that were promised to you by the tour company come through. Now, I think a common misunderstanding among travelers is that their guides are, are going to be paid, but in so often, in so many cases, the, the actual, the tour manager, the guy you, you meet at the beginning of your tour and that's with you as, through the whole experience, he's not paid or paid just a token wage, and he has to make money off of you cleverly over the course of your vacation, right? That's true. So how do they make their money? Well, by selling those optional tours and the shopping excursions, that's where they tend to make more of their money. Again, not all companies do this, by the way, but there are some that will more mainstream companies that will do this. And the way to sort of tip off is how many optional tours are being offered. Right. If there's a, 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 an awful lot, that's probably an indication. And you, you've got to understand how this um, skews the itinerary priorities. For instance, I've seen uh, big bus tour itineraries in Amsterdam where they do not go to Van Gogh, but they do go to the diamond polishing. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You're really missing out. Well, unless you're trying to make your uh, living by getting commissions on kickbacks from diamond sales. Absolutely. And again, their, their advice is not impartial because they're, too much of their income is based upon you going to the diamond factory or taking the optional tour. Right. Now, even in the case of cruise ships, you'd think cruise ships would be above that in some cases, but I know that uh, cruise ships actually rent the tour groups out to the um, local guide in Turkey, who actually is not a local guide at all, but a, a carpet salesman in disguise. Have you run into that at all? Sure. Cruise ships clearly um, are very active in selling optional tours and optional and the commissions. Absolutely. They're, they're these clearly these people have one day in their life in Turkey, and they're just hell-bent on getting a carpet, and they also want to see Ephesus or some ancient site. So they meet this guy at the harbor, and he looks like a scholar, but he really is going to give you a very quick look at the ancient site and then take you on a nice, thorough visit to the uh, carpet co-op or whatever. Certainly those things happen. Yeah. We don't want to mis mislead people in thinking that's it's just going to be one big fight. But as smart consumers, you do need to be aware of that because I find that a lot of people are taken advantage of by guides who are just trying to make their money because they're not paid up front. For some, joining a prepackaged tour is the way to go. For others, it's the vacation from hell. More on our insider's look at the ins and outs of big bus tourism coming right up on Travel with Rick Steves. Ik ben Rolinka Bloeming uit Amsterdam. Laat ons reizen met Rick Steves. That's Dutch for let's travel with Rick Steves. Laat ons reizen met Rick Steves. On your next European trip, do you want the challenge and adventure of doing it yourself? Or would you like a professional to do the driving and take the worry, the sweat, and the headaches out of your trip so you can just focus on the fun of travel? Yes, Mary Lee, we roll along, roll along, roll along. Mary Lee, we roll along, my fair lady. We're exploring the pros and cons of big bus tours with travel industry consultant Rick Hazen on Travel with Rick Steves. Are there safeguards built into tour, the tour business uh, to protect consumers against fly-by-night outfits? Well, there's some, but not, not enough. I mean, the best way to protect yourself is to use a credit card uh, if you don't really know the company. That, the credit card will protect you for 60 days from time of deposit. Beyond that, there is an organization called USTOA that has uh, some protection for the consumer. But even that, uh, there have been companies that have been bankrupt. They've been USTOA, and people have gone back only a small amount of their money at, at present, at least. Wow. What would you say to just to assess a tour company, because a lot of people 
book onto a tour company, they haven't heard of it before. How would they know that it's just, just arrived a few months ago and it might be going out of business in a couple months? Well, that's tough. You have to do some investigation. You can look on the web and in the state they're located. And a lot of times, if you look in the business, uh, the secretary of state of that state or whatever department it falls under, they can tell you when online when that company was formed. And how, do this, how does the credit card work for safety, Rick? From my understanding, the credit card will guarantee you a full refund for services not performed for any charges made within 60 days of the charge. So if you make it outside of 61, uh, 60 days, the protection may not be there. Wow. In America, we have so many uh, concerns about being sued and being liable for this and that. When you take a tour to the, the Great Wall of China or, or camel riding in Morocco or whatever, does the tour company guarantee your safety? Uh, can you sue them if you fall off the camel and hurt yourself or if you go to dinner in Cairo and you get sick? Well, you know, all you can certainly sue anybody you like, and, and clearly some suits have, won, have been won. It really depends upon how how careful the tour operator is if they warned you uh, that this is an unsafe situation, uh, that the camel ride can get hurt, or are they negligent or not. The key thing is tour operators really do not own much of anything you see. A lot of these buses you see in Europe painted with uh, different companies' names tend to be simply just painted with their names, not owned by them. So the key thing is, do the, do the tour operator hire reputable suppliers who have good insurance themselves? Um, if they don't have those kind of things, then the tour operator could become more negligent, and therefore he can sue. Wow. Well, you know, maybe that's one reason to pay a little extra by booking through a travel agency who has a, a track record with these tour companies. Travel agents only have their purpose and their, and their need. Again, a good travel agent uh, is somebody who can walk you through the different uh, areas. You may, if you don't have a good travel agent, it might behoove you to visit you know, two or three uh, because different ones may have different feelings about yeah. different companies. You know, I'm, I'm kind of old-fashioned in that regard, but I still love to talk to a human being who really has been in this business for 10 years, who's, who knows all the options, who can be my agent, who can tell me, this company's just filed for bankruptcy. This company, I had experience bad with a customer last year this way. And this company, no problem. We've had customers going there for years and years, and they love it. That's worth a lot, I think. Well, absolutely. Certainly, there, there's a, a real professional's worth, you know, worth some payment. Absolutely. I'm talking with Rick Hazen, who's a consultant for tour companies, helping tour companies all over the United States uh, figure out how to run their businesses better. And he's giving us a behind-the-scenes look at how tour companies work. A couple of legal uh, uh, legal insights into this whole business from a consuming point of view. Rick, what happens if the dollar drops? Do tour companies guarantee the price? Because their uh, prices all go up when our dollar drops if it's an overseas tour. That's true. It really depends upon the tour company. Some tour companies will offer you a guaranteed price. It's a great thing to look for to see if they guarantee the price upon your deposit or, or any point. Um, otherwise, yes, you are floating uh, taking a chance if the dollar does get weaker, some companies will pass along those those increases. So generally, legitimate. you got to buy the tour three months in advance or something. If the dollar drops 10%, you could actually get a bill raising your price 10%. That's true. All right. What if the tour does not fill up? They've got a 50-seat bus. They're hoping to fill it up, and they only sell 20 seats. Do they then charge everybody more or cancel the tour, or what happens? Uh, generally, they'll cancel the tour and, and hopefully put you on a different uh, departure. Uh, I've never seen them not fully refund your money, uh, so you're usually just fine if they cancel. Obviously, the problem is if you bought your air ticket uh, through another means, you still have that air ticket. So and, you could lose you know, financially that way if they cancel out. Mm-hmm, that's true. Do you, what, what safeguards do you have in that regard? Well, uh, as far as a tour company canceling uh, with your air ticket, there's not any that I'm aware of. Can you buy insurance to cover that? Not that I'm aware of. I could, there could be some, but I'm mm-hmm. not aware of, of insurance that covers that. Okay. There's insurance to cover illness. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference between insurance and waiver. There's two, different, two differences there, too. What about interruption and cancellation insurance? Well, cancellation insurance uh, it covers you, as a general rule, due to illness to yourself or your immediate family, uh, which will cover the cost that you lose. If you have to cancel because something you have happens to, cancel. to you. And can, can you insure for terrorism and for bird flu and for all of these kind of things? There's new policies out all the time, and uh, it's very hard to keep track of what they're covering, what they're not covering. It's important to read the fine print uh, on the insurance. Again, there's a difference between insurance and a waiver. Some companies will offer a waiver. If you're not an insurance company, you can't offer insurance. 
and a waiver means it's self-insurance. So you, a waiver tends to have no limitations to why you can cancel. Oh, this is by the tour company, get, waiving their cancellation uh, penalties? Right. For, they'll charge you a fee up front saying, you know, pay us whatever dollars it is up front. And if you cancel for any reason outside of, the, outside of a day before or wow. thereabouts, hmm. they'll give you back all your money less than that, that fee. Uh, and that would cover for all reasons. Uh, the big difference there is you're betting on a tour company actually being financially sound. If a company's been around for a long time, um, you're probably fine. Right. Now, a lot of uh, travelers complain about single supplements. Uh, why do tour companies charge more for singles, and uh, how do you get around that if you're a single traveler? Well, uh, they charge more for singles because the room cost for a single or double often could be virtually the same. So if a room costs $100 per night... Uh, for two people, I would charge each person $50 per night. Uh, where for the single, that one person has to cover the entire $100, or maybe it's discounted 90 or 80 Well, you're still having to pay 30 or $40 more per night. So it's legitimate. Mm-hmm. The way around it, it's difficult. There are companies out there that do offer roommate assignments that will find other like-minded travelers for you. Um, and if they do so, there's no charge for single then. Does that work? Sometimes it's you have lifelong friends, and sometimes <laughs> you know why we're traveling alone. <laughs> In my old company, we had a guaranteed share program, actually, where we offered a guarantee that you would find your roommate. If not, we would pay the single. Huh. And more often than that, I have to tell you, it worked out really well. Yeah. But there were times that, you know. What's the tipping story on tour buses these days? Is tipping required? What's the standard for guides and for the uh, bus driver? Well, it's certainly encouraged heavily. And, and for many companies, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, they are working hard and their wages aren't anywhere near uh, what they should be on a daily basis. Mm. The general rule for your tour guide uh, the manager would be around 3 to $5 per day per person. The driver would be around $2 per day per person. I sort of think of that, those numbers sort of like a tip at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. That's your starting point. If you got great service, maybe you want to give a bit more. If you don't get such good service, you know, you don't want to give anything or a lot less right. just depending upon how well they treated you. And uh, a lot of Americans are concerned about smoking. What's the deal on smoking on tour buses these days? Generally, no smoking is a lot of coaches. Is that, that's not unusual? In, in not unusual days. anymore, no. All right. If somebody is an aggressive uh, traveler, at least on a budget, and they're flexible, are there ways you can just get a last-minute deal, uh, or do you save money by buying early? Uh, what, what are the saving money tricks that way? More often than not, the buying early is the uh, best way to save money with tour companies. Why? Uh, well, tour companies have decided not to follow the airlines and, and even the cruise lines as a general rule to discount their product up front and, and, and raise the price as it gets more and more full in a sense by offering less discounts. Um, as a general situation, they don't, um, they don't want a discount. By early. Do you find tour companies having real push list sales 10 days before departure? I have not seen that that often. They would rather take an empty seat than demoralize people who paid the regular price? Is that the idea? Yeah, there's a big difference between an airplane, I'll sit next to you for two hours and mm-hmm. may or may not talk to you, but if I'm the co- seat next to you wow. uh, for 14 days, we're going to talk. Sure. Wow, that creates uh, two different groups of people, people who paid the, the rack rate and people who didn't. Right, and, but the same token, if you book early, people understand that psychology and accept mm-hmm. it and are willing to say, well, yeah, you booked three months before I did, so, well, you got a better price. Mm, that's a good point. Rick, um... I'm concerned that a lot of well-meaning and loving parents spend a lot of money to get their kids an educational experience on some kind of, quote, educational tour, and they're taken advantage of. What advice would you give parents who are scrimping and scraving and kids who are doing their car washes to get money for some school-related trip overseas? Are they generally um, good values? Uh, what, how can you help us there? Well, there's a wide variety, again, of tour companies that, uh, that will serve you. They tend to be very, very large. You, it really comes down to there's some general senior trips that go over there. There's sometimes French teachers that take you over there or Spanish teachers. So you have to decide, is this a fun trip for your kid to see Europe, or is this a trip that you really want to get a lot of education out of it? And if it's education, you, generally the good idea is to focus in on the French teacher or science teacher or something with a, a more purposeful reason for going. Um, 
than just simply to go to Australia or to Europe. Uh, thousands and thousands of kids go. Um, it's, it's amazing how many kids are going. Are the, are the parents generally satisfied with the experience, would you say? I think that they're satisfied if the kids are satisfied. So, yeah. And then that's more or less it. And again, part of it, too, is the quality varies based upon uh, the company, like it does even for adult trips. But the kids tend not to care, care so much about quality. They care about more how much fun they have with their friends. Yeah. Now, there's, I mean, a lot of tour teachers I've met just put their own little ad lib tours together. Other school districts will just uh, buy into a, uh, one of the big uh, educational tour companies. Uh, is the dominant way to go is with these companies or just the one-offs? I, th- I think it's better to go with the companies because you have a, these big companies have insurance. They have the proper procedures. They, they know the big companies clearly know the suppliers. And what tends to happen, again, is things go wrong on a tour. Right. Uh, no matter how good a company you are, the question is, do you know? Do you have other bus companies to call if a bus well, breaks down? That came to mind right there. If the bus breaks down and if you're just a one-off history teacher taking your kids around, you're stuck on the side of the road. But if you are a big tour company, you've got another bus there in an hour. Yeah, you have infrastructure there to handle it. I mean, mm-hmm. it is just, unfortunately, you know, there's horrible disasters that happen on, on thank goodness, rare occasions. Right. Do they have a plan in place to handle that? So if you're going to go with an individual teacher who's a little entrepreneurial tour guide on the side, you better just make sure you know that teacher and that they are capable and, and have some experience for this, I would say, rather than risk it. Yeah, I mean, you have to feel comfortable and the other with thing, that. The other thing would be just comparing the value for a, a kid to go on their own. My son just took off on his own and met his high school group over there, and uh, you could uh, kind of debate which, who had the more educational experience. Clearly, uh, you have to decide if, if your 18-year-old mm-hmm. can go on their own or they need to have the structure of a group and a supervising teacher kind of situation. Hey, this has been so interesting, Rick. I've been talking with Rick Hazen. He's from Chicago. He's a man who uh, has been uh, uh, built his own tour company up, and now he consults uh, other tour companies so they can do a better job providing people, uh, I think, uh, economic and efficient um, big bus tours to uh, countries far away. Rick, thank you so much for your help. Well, thank you. 877-333-RICK or email us at radio at ricksteves.com. Rebecca in Santa Rosa, California. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for your call. Well, I, I very much enjoy all of your suggestions. I have followed you all over Europe many well, times. Well, that's great. It saves me a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of headaches. <laughs> wow. Well, that's exactly what I try to so, do. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've been very successful at doing that. Um, I cannot ride in buses. Um, and I'm reaching a point where I would like to do a tour now and then, although I've done pretty well just traveling with friends and my husband and et cetera and kids. And, um, but I'm wondering if you've ever thought of doing a tour that uh, travels primarily on the trains. Well, you know, for me, we've thought about that, but there's a wonderful economy and efficiency of having a bus. To me, uh, we've been doing tours for 25 years, and uh, a lot of times people look at the prices and everything. They they ask us, they really ask us, how do you make any money? Because it's expensive. <laughs> and and I make money by talking 25 people into sharing one vehicle. That's the huge economy if you're a tour organizer. Instead of 25 uh. rail passes or 25 car rentals, 25 American tourists on one bus in Europe, and if everything else is a wash, all the eating and sleeping and sightseeing expenses, you know, um, right there is enough uh, profit to keep me in business as a tour organizer. So that's the rationale for offering a good price to tourists on a big bus is you're sharing one vehicle. Apart from that, it's just really um, classy, I think, as a tour guide to have the microphone, beautiful sound system, comfortable high-ride, professional driver, plenty of room to stretch out, and door-to-door service with your bus. Now, I've done tours without a bus in Scandinavia where we go uh, by train for various reasons. In Scandinavia, that might make more sense. But it's really a lot like the Bataan Death March when you get into town and you've got a, you're confronted with a hot, sweaty march through the city to get to your hotel, or you've got to find taxis for everybody. And it just it's just a very clunky and inefficient. So there's something very smooth and efficient and elegant and economic about bus travel. Now, if you are a kind of person that doesn't want to sit on buses a lot, well, we've there are a lot of tours, our company and other companies, that do a focus in one 
big, great city. And one of the most popular kinds of tours we do lately are the one-week big city breaks. And Oh, that sounds wonderful. And we hire a bus for a day or two during that period, Rebecca, and we'll side trip out. So, you know, you're in Florence and you spend a day seeing Cortona and uh, San Gimignano or Siena, and then you're back to your hotel. But it's really nice because you, fl- you fly in and out of the same city, you settle into one great hotel, you have a wonderful guide, a group of friends, and um, a chance to immerse yourself and do properly a city that really does deserve a week. Uh, in that vein, we're doing a few tours now where we lace together three cities in 10 days and connect them by train. And that makes a lot of sense, too. But if you have the kind of tour that's going here, there, here, there, all day long, you really want to have a bus, and um, it, that just makes a lot more sense. Well, definitely. Just for those of us who get carsick in buses, it, it, it won't work. That's However, tough. However, um, doing a one city um, in a week or Three cities in 10 days, I think, would be an excellent way to do a tour. One of the things that I've found is, is that if left to my own devices, I end up spending an awful lot of time just figuring out the systems, the, the transportation systems within the city. Well, that's the whole so, exciting thing for me as a tour guide is to help people get oriented quick and do the things we want to do together efficiently as a group and then explain your options and turn you loose. It's the orient yeah. and disperse approach. And that's why I think without any feeling of hec- hecticness, we're able to accomplish 30 or 40% more in a given amount of time with our tours than a reasonably well-organized individual traveler could do on their own. Great. Thanks, Rebecca, and okay, uh, good luck with you. your travels. Mm-hmm. Come away with me in the night. Come away with me, and I will write you a song. Travel with Rick Steves is produced at Europe Through the Back Door in Edmonds, Washington. There's more online in the radio section at ricksteves.com. That's where you can look up information on today's program and listen again to this and other editions of the program, including a link to podcast versions of Travel with Rick Steves. You can also submit your questions and comments for Rick from our website to be included on future editions of the show. And send us your submissions for our 15 Seconds of Fame department. Details are at ricksteves.com. The people who help bring you Travel with Rick Steves include Sonia Grosset, Rachel Unk, and Robin Stencil, with technical support from John Weist and Jonathan Lee. Our theme music is composed by Jerry Frank. I'm your producer, Tim Tatton. Join us next time as we travel with Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines. With their new Advantage Award booking tool, it's easier than ever to book to over 800 Advantage Award destinations online at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly.